Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome here on YouTube. So good to have you with us. Trust that we're going to have a great morning together. Remember, if you haven't yet, this is your moment to jump into those comments. Say hello. Let us know where you're from. Uh, remember, not like Facebook where we see your profile on YouTube. We only know who's watching if you tell us in the comments. Otherwise, you're just a number on the number of views. And we want to make sure you're part of the community this morning. So let us know you're there. And then also, I trust that you've invited someone, maybe from work or from family or, or a friend. Man, let people know what Grace Cover is doing. It's so easy to share in this way and spread the gospel and introduce people to Jesus. Isn't that the goal? We'd love for you to use these ways to invite some friends to what we're doing here at Grace Cove. So, man, as you've heard already this, this morning so far, we've got a bumper week coming up. Remember, Grace United on Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, just for half an hour. I'd love you to come here on site and pray with us. Uh, if you're keen to do that, that would be so cool. Get a chance to amen loudly in the background or actually contribute in prayer. If you can't make it on site, Facebook Live's your place to be. You can join in and communicate with us again via the comments that we can include you in our prayer meeting, even if it's over distance, sharing on Facebook Live. So we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. And then remember, Friday night is youth, Saturday night, 3 p.m. is sound and AV and muso training. Here at Grace Cove, we've got some really talented friends uh, from KZN that will be coming up and training. So I'm personally inviting you, if you have an inkling that you're interested in any of these areas or just want to come have a check out, if you want to say, maybe I want to move towards being part of this, then please come. If you're considering learning an instrument or maybe you're a worshiper and you like singing or you like a computer, man, all of these things, come along Saturday afternoon. It'll be fun to hang out anyway, but also the guys ministering, Dwayne and Tyler, will be amazing and uh, really help us to focus on honoring God and serving Him well. So see you there. And then remember, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., I'm inviting you to come along. We've got lots more space now with the regulation change. Be here. We'd love you to come. Come morning and evening. Donnie will be ministering both times, different topics, so you can w happily come morning and evening to different meetings. Give him an opportunity to uh, be able to share his heart with us as a church in two different occasions on Sunday. So be there. Look forward to having you with us. Acts chapter 14, verse 21, says this. It says, They preached the gospel in that city, and they won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. They said, We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Titus chapter 1 verse 5 puts it this way, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, uh, to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So welcome this morning to our sermon, Partners in the Gospel. We're going to be talking about saints, shepherds, and apostolic teams. A man that I respect greatly, part of the NCMI team, he's been in ministry for probably more than 40 years, asked this question a few years ago. He said, who taught you to do church? That was Ray Oliver. And the point that he was making is most of our expectations, most of our assumptions about church and what we expect, what we like and what we don't like, are all simply things that have become familiar to us from past experience. In other words, we've learned the way we get comfortable of doing church. The Bible's amazing in that it tells us a whole lot of information around what should happen in our meetings, but it doesn't tell us, do we sing three songs or four songs? Is it loud music or soft music? Do we sing standing or sitting? It leaves enough ambiguity for us to be led by the Spirit. The challenge is that human beings fall into ruts so easily. And often what we insist on is actually just things we've learned over time because we've observed. Some churches expect that the leaders are supposed to be the servants. And the people in the church then become consumer Christians. It's like a, 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 a holy version of waiters. Here the leaders are just to make sure you're comfortable, the food is right, the drink is right, etc., etc. We become consumer Christians. Some churches, the leaders want to be dictators and then the people are supposed to be their subjects and told what to do. Some get told to do crazy things. We've seen that on the news, right? Some churches develop a codependent relationship between the leaders and the saints, the people in the church, where the leaders feel validated because they are necessary. They're needed to do everything in the life of the church. And the people feel happy because they just want to be placated, looked after, bounced on their knee like a good babysitter and sent home feeling like they've ticked a box in terms of God. Now the good news is that fortunately that none of these are the original pattern that we, in, we see in Scripture. None of these are the way that God intended it to be. The example or the pattern for the Bible that, uh, that the Bible uses to describe churches operating is closer to families on mission. It's an important statement that we are called to be families on mission. You see, in a family, each one has a role to play. Even the smallest child should have some chore, some task that they can do in the household. In a family, there's room for each one's giftings to thrive. We may be very different, but man, there's room for each of us. In a family, we care for each other well. We remember each other. We look after each other. In a family, we welcome new members easily. We're happy to have visitors. We're happy to see people added to our family. In a family, we dream of starting new families all over the world. <laughs> We've just had our, uh, our, our son, the oldest of our two children, leave house to go and, and to go and study. All of a sudden, our house has changed. Why? And it's, it's successful. If our children never left home, there would be a problem, right? The goal is for us to spread our families around the world. It's a beautiful image 
of family life that we see. Think about it. A young guy or a young girl uh, leaves home, goes to study, maybe to work, and uh, then they meet the potential spouse. The guy meets the girl, and eventually they get married. They've got a job, and uh, you know what happens. Sooner or later, children come along, and then the children grow up to teenagers and young adults. They study. They may join the family business. They might start a business of their own. Sooner or later, they'll want a home of their own, and sooner after that, Children arrive, and then the children grow up, and the cycle repeats. There's something creepy with the 40-year-old in his mother's basement, the Americans tell us, right? Never getting off the couch. The goal is that families come together, establish themselves, thrive, and then multiply. And so the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28 becomes a reality. Verse 19 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. The beautiful gospel partnership of saints, shepherds, and apostolic teams reaching the world for Jesus. Isn't that cool? So next time you're thinking of coming to Grace Cove, whether it's online or on-site, please don't just think about, ah, maybe I should attend a meeting at Grace Cove. Rather, have in mind, thinking of being part of Jesus' agenda to change the whole world. Doesn't that sound something a little bit more able to stir your blood? Uh, Do I think I'll come sit in the back of a church meeting and be bored? Or can I be partnering with Jesus and friends that we can take the gospel and change the world? Man, number two is my choice. How about you? So next week, as we've announced, we've got the joy of having Richard Stewart ordained as an elder here at Grace Cove Church. And so that's a real celebration time. It's a celebration of the work that God has done both in his life and his wife and his family's life. It's the celebration of the gifting and the call that Jesus has placed on Richard and Lindsay. But it's also a celebration of Jesus' commitment to the gospel to all the world and his love for Grace Cove Church and all those he's adding to us. You see, elders are an amazing gift to the local church. It speaks of growth. It speaks of the great shepherd Jesus loving his sheep by adding those who will care for them. It speaks of capacity to care for more in our own city. It speaks of an increasing diversity and and increasing number of giftings on the eldership team. And so this morning, as we look at partners in the gospel, let's look at how Jesus' plan to build his church includes saints, shepherds, and apostolic teams. So first of all, apostolic teams. Now you might be saying, Craig, what on earth is an apostolic team? Well, the good news is that the Bible is full of everything that I'm talking about this morning. I'll Stick a whole bunch of scriptures up and you can follow along. I'm encouraging you to go and read further. We have a limited time, but we're simply outlining what the Bible says this morning. In the Bible, apostolic teams partner with local churches and ordain elders. So Colette and I have the privilege of serving on the New Covenant Ministries apostolic team. And yet here at Grace Cove, we are we play the role of shepherds. So we don't ordain our own elders here. We are asked to go to other churches and ordain elders there because there I'm translocal. I form an apostolic role to that church. But here, man, I have the privilege of being one of your shepherds, maybe leading the team of elders as well. 
The word apostolic means to be set apart, to be sent. It's a sent one, or one sent with a specific purpose or mandate. It was a well-known word in Bible days. The other thing that we see is we don't have these lone ranger uh, apostles. Apollos in the scriptures was uh, tempted to go it alone, but as he grew and began to learn, he was welcomed into a team, and Priscilla and Aquila worked with him, and Paul worked with him. And so we see apostolic teams have translocal gifts. In other words, they're able to minister to many churches. They minister in team. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 tells us this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. There's the gospel family on mission again. Verse 20 says, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so why has God placed apostolic ministry? We see it in the scriptures, impacting churches and breaking open new regions. What is the point of apostolic ministry? First of all, they edify, encourage, and strengthen the church. Acts chapter 14 tells us. Secondly, they bring the church towards unity and maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, 11. They plant churches. They parent orphan or independent churches looking for partners. They help us maintain biblical doctrine and discipline. One of the beauties is that they link churches together in partnership so that we can reach the nations. That you and I here at Grace Cove can have an inheritance in other parts of the world, not just South Africa, whether we go there or not, but through the partners that we have with the NCMR team. Apostolic teams give covering, corporate vision. They're also able to hold church leaders accountable. And so it's a safety factor for Grace Cove Church that your leaders, your elders are uh, well looked after, they trained, and uh, there's an accountability and an objective, an external friendship that keeps us on track. Now, why is it important that when we have apostolic ministry come minister here that you should turn up? Isn't it all this about church and other nations? Here's the thing. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 tells us that God gave the apostles the fivefold ministry to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to bring us into the unity of faith and maturity like Jesus Christ. Man, that sounds like something every one of us needs. You want to serve Jesus better? Come and be equipped. You want to grow up in Jesus Christ to be mature? Come and be equipped. You want to become more uh, um, uh, mature in Christ? Man, here's your opportunity. Next Sunday, love to see you there. So who does Grace Cove Church partner with? Which apostolic team? Well, there are many in the world, just like there are many families in the world, and there are many groups in the world. But God has linked us from the days that this church was planted in 1997 with Mike and Daphne. God has linked us with New Covenant Ministries International. As I said, Colette and I are part of that team. New Covenant Ministries International is simply a ministry team of Ephesians 4 Gifts, functioning and partnering with like-minded churches and leaders, helping to facilitate, to train, and mature the body of Christ. Their vision goes like this. It says, We want to plant New Testament churches in every village, town, and city of every country that God calls us into. We want to equip, train, and release leaders who will ensure that the sheep are loved, cared for, and trained in the biblical pattern 
to ensure the coming of His kingdom and the return of the King. You see how God has given as a gift translocal ministry in the Scriptures, and we are able to appreciate that today. The second uh, point this morning is let's look at shepherds. So we have apostolic teams. Let's look at shepherds, these gospel partners. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Notice Peter the apostle also serving as an elder in a church, a witness to Christ's sufferings and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Then he has the charge. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory, which will never fade away. So what does the Bible say about shepherds? We can call them elders as well. Well, first of all, according to the scriptures, you don't, uh, according to the scriptures, this is the pattern that we have. They are not democratically elected. As much as we want the people to say, yes, we agree and we suggest, it's not a voting system. It's not like parliament. And being an elder isn't an honorary title. Oh, this guy's been around so long, we better call him some Title, just to make him feel good about himself, or lady, or ministry. It's not age-related. It's not the oldest person in the room. It's uh, not age-specific. It's about ministry. It's not necessarily the most popular person in the group, nor even the most gifted. Just like your father or your mother may not be the most gifted at whatever it is, but they are your father and your mother. God has put them into your life for leadership. And we would want to be able to let gifts that are bigger than us flourish here at Grace Cove. So what does the Bible say about elders? It says they recognized for the care and the ministry they are already giving the sheep. So Richard and Lindsay have showed over time that they are already ministering. We want to, don't want to ordain them, give them a title, and then hope like anything that they're going to maybe start doing the job. Elders are identified and ordained by apostolic ministries. We've read about that. They display the character, the understanding of Scripture, and the giftings necessary to do the task. Eldership teams form the highest human government in the local church. Eldership teams together with the deacons and ministry gifts lead and care for the whole church. So the Bible uses three words interchangeably for these same people. We can call them elders, we can call them shepherds. We're talking about apostolic teams, shepherds, and saints this morning. The first word is is the word uh, elder, presbyteros, and that means to lead, to have authority, to stand in front of, sometimes to point the way and command people to follow Jesus. So the first one is that of elder. It speaks about leading. The second word that, that we have in the New Testament uh, for elders is this word, episkopos. It's, it's the overseer, sometimes translated as bishop, not higher than the rest. It's the same people with, this, with these three different names. And the overseer speaks about a person who holds the bigger picture. He's a guardian, a watchkeeper, someone that stands at the gate to protect, to help each part find their place in the whole, the overseer. 
The third Greek word that the Bible uses for elder shepherds is this word poimeno. It's the word shepherd or pastor. And that speaks of to lead, to know, to protect or to defend, to lay down their life for the sheep, to feed the sheep, to care for them. And so out of the scriptures, we start to have an understanding of, oh, well, then what should elders do? Well, they too lead, they to see the big picture, they to provide and to care for the sheep. So biblically, <laughs> shepherding is all about the welfare of the sheep. Never lose sight of this. In fact, part of why I'm sharing all these things this morning is that I want you as a sheep to be able to get the maximum benefit from these elders that God has lovingly placed here at Grace Cove. And so uh, elders are not here to fleece the sheep as we've read. They are here to give up their lives for the sheep. At times this means putting the sheep's welfare above their own. So what can I tell you about the character of an elder? Well, elders love to be with the sheep. (laughs) Man, if someone has been a shepherd, they start to smell a little bit like the sheep, don't they? That's the type of person. It shouldn't be a hardship to be with the sheep. It's not just about preaching. It's actually they have a heart to be with the sheep. Secondly, they have a sincere love for the sheep. You know, some people just want to do the ministry. They just want to be the preachers, but please don't bring the people near me. No. God puts in the heart of shepherds, of elders, of overseers, a sincere love for His people and those that He is making His people. The third characteristic of an elder is that they have a sincere love for the Word of God. You see, part of the role of an elder is to lead the sheep to good food, to good pasture. Now, you can't feed them fresh Word if you don't love the Word and live in it. Elders have a love for the Word of God. Number four, they have a love for people. I remember as just a young, uh, I was on staff as a deacon, uh, probably my first year, and there was this old German guy, not that Germans are grumpy, but this man was old, and he was German, and he was grumpy. And I remember him, he had like lines in his face with, that went the wrong way, you know, his frown and his unhappy face. <laughs> and I remember him kind of having this aura of, no, 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 he'll appear on Sunday and minister, but please don't bring the people near him. They wasted his time. Shepherds have a love for all of God's people. It's not just about ministry. It's about looking after those that God has given us and about opening our arms to those that God will bring to us. Number five, qualities of shepherds, is that shepherds have learned to love their enemies. Sometimes it seems like shepherding is such an easy role. You go on a mountain and you just look after some fluffy sheep and you maybe sit in the shade and you dream. But remember, they're wolves too. And sometimes we need to deal with our enemies. We need to learn to love those as they wrestle against the calling of God to being born again. They might respond poorly. Sometimes people let us down. You can't allow people to lead others if there is an opportunity for the root of bitterness to get in their heart. So for a man to serve as an elder, he must have learned to love his enemies just as Jesus, our supreme example, did. So we're talking about these gospel partnerships, not just to have a healthy little church that gets, you know, sits in a circle, sings kumbaya and loves each other and then goes home, but rather a church that is robust and dreams of multiplying this family on a mission to everywhere all over the world. That's who we're talking about. These are gospel partnerships, apostolic teams, shepherds, and the saints. (laughs) 
Now, according to the Bible, one of the words I could use for the saints is sheep. Now, just in case you're thinking, saints aren't those holy people from long ago that when they get painted, they have that ring around their head. The Bible calls every believer a saint. It speaks of the glorious ones that God loves. The Bible also calls those that love Jesus and follow him sheep. Now, these days, that can be uh, a, a quite a horrible term to use. Are oh, you just a sheep? Bleed, bleed, follow, follow. But God wants us to understand special characteristics of the sheep. And so sheep are not second-class citizens. They're not a necessary evil so that the leaders have got something to do. Not at all. First of all, first and foremost, we are all sheep. Shepherds are sheep. Apostolic team members are sheep, singers are sheep, mothers are sheep, fathers are sheep. Colette is my wife, but before she's my wife, she's a sheep that follows Jesus. She's the daughter of the Most High King. Sheep can play as much a part of ministering in the local church and in their areas of influence as the leaders do. Do you know you get into opportunities and have uh, uh, chances to get to, with, to, to be with people that I will never have? And so when we talk about the significance of sheep, it's vital that every believer, we speak about the priesthood of all believers, that each one of us serves Jesus in a gospel partnership to get the gospel into your office, into your home, your suburb, to the ends of the earth. Most importantly, leaders are sheep too. And therefore, we are all players on the field. We are all sheep. So biblically, how can we as sheep partner in the gospel how what does the bible say that we should respond to our shepherds how can we as sheep follow the leaders the shepherds the elders that god places here at grace cove as we go forward first of all sheep should consider their leaders hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 says remember your leaders who spoke the word of god to you consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith Notice there is an opportunity for a godly consideration of your leaders. Now, can I just say, this shouldn't take forever, and we're always considering and reconsidering. Oh, you looked at me funny? I better reconsider whether I like you or not. No. But when you come to a church, there should be this evaluation of, are these people leading me godly? If they're not, run a mile. It's amazing to me how people get duped into following shepherds that should not be shepherds. And so first of all, sheep should consider their leaders. Then, quickly after that, the Bible says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So we get to consider those we follow, but then if we see that they are godly, we should imitate their faith. The second thing that sheep are to do is to obey and submit. Man, those are not popular words today, right? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Hebrews 13 Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So here's the point. If you've evaluated, you've seen that they're worthwhile following, they're godly people, we've chosen to um, emulate their example, then it should be an easy thing to obey and submit. Sometimes, as an eldership team, we'll call Grace Cup Church to fast. <laughs> if you're me, I don't want to obey that in invitation. But I will because my heart is submitted to the call of God on this church and where we're going together. There are times where we may have to come alongside of you and speak a little firmly and say, My friend, I think you need to stop this 
or start that or pay attention to such. You understand? If we are willing to be led by those God's put in our lives, we make, our, make room in our hearts to accept what they say. Sometimes even in the preaching can be a hard word as long as it's from the Scriptures with, in truth. We need to say, Lord, help me to take this word and adjust my life to suit it. The third thing that sheep should do with their shepherds is that they are to remember their shepherds. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Friends, can I ask you, in this season, for myself and Wawa, and now Richard and our wives, will you remember us as the Lord tells us in His Scriptures? Will you remember your elders in prayer? Will you remember your elders in speaking well of them? You know, sometimes people are grumpy and they'll come to you to talk about someone else. Do not entertain that. If someone talks to you about someone else, you ask them, have you said that to them? (laughs) Why are you telling me? And then you say, let's go talk to that person right now. The way we remember each other is by giving honor to each other. If there's truth in the accusation, we'll deal with it. But we should do it one direct to the source. The fourth one is that sheep can honor their shepherds. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. The workers deserve his wage. As sheep led by shepherds, we should honor, honor verbally, honor in our thoughts. But this passage speaks about honoring financially. And so here at Grace Cove, we've long dreamed of being able to bring the next full-time eldership pastoral couple onto the payroll. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think when we look at the numbers that are members at Grace Cove and we look at those that are able to be on staff at Grace Cove, we are already out of ratio. We need at least one more couple. I'm asking you to join with me and trust God. Maybe it means we have to be more generous. Maybe it means we've got to see the church continue to grow. But let's trust God to set aside a salary that we can bring guys full-time on our shepherding staff. Wouldn't that be cool? Number five, sheep are there to refresh the shepherds. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. You know, sometimes, like now with Richard, when someone changes role in the church, all his friends step back and they're not quite sure what to make of, of him or her. I want to say we refresh our shepherds with friendship, with sharing the load. Help wherever you can. Ask, offer. Hey, I see you busy with this. Can I get involved? We refresh each other with good laughs. We refresh each other by resourcing each other. Hey man, I've got something that can help you in that area. And finally, the sixth thing that uh, sheep can offer to the shepherds is that they can serve with their shepherds. Acts chapter 6, it speaks about how they added deacons to the life of the church so that the elders of the local church could concentrate on prayer and ministry of the word. Man, just like in your life, there are so many things for the elders to do, especially if they're bivocational. They're full-time elders at Grace Cove and they're full-time workers at their job. My goodness, friends, I want to say that Richard and Lindsay and Wawa and Zandi, as much as they're in the marketplace, they give their hearts to serving you guys. 
Kalidna, guaranteed. We've got a few things to do every day. We work hard here at Grace Cup, all of us. But it's because we love you. And I want to say, would you consider asking God, how God can I do certain jobs so that the elders of Grace Cove Church can be set free to do those things that only they should be doing. Prayer in the Word, ministry, care, and so on. We're all the priesthood of all believers. We're all sheep. Some of us are called to be shepherds. Some are called to be apostolic, part of an apostolic team, just like Donnie and Dwayne and their wives next week. But all of us are called to serve Jesus. We're the priesthood of all believers. Let me finish with this. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. Grace Cove. This is an exciting season we're in. Don't miss the moment, the significance of what God is doing right now. We're opening, we've opened a 5 p.m. Sunday meeting. We're launching youth and other ministries. We're about to begin building and making more space for more people. We're adding to our eldership team. This is a significant season. Of course, it's also a challenging season. Anytime there's anything new, it puts pressure on our hearts. Plus, there's COVID. We've doubtful economy, there's fatigue, there's uncertainty, but don't miss the morning, the moment. I believe that there is a call on us as saints, as sheep, to rise in this season, to see what God is doing here at Grace Cove and through us into our city and beyond, and then find our place and give our best as partners in the gospel. My question to you is, will you put your hand up as a sheep, as a saint of the living God. Will you put your hand up, maybe as a sheep, maybe as a shepherd, maybe as an apostolic team member, or maybe one of those in the future. Maybe that's deep in your heart. Trust the Lord, put your hand up. And will you say this? Will you say, Lord, whatever my gifting and whatever my role, I want to be a partner in the gospel. Use me, Lord, together with Grace Cove Church, together with the churches that we partner with and the apostolic team. Lord Jesus, we don't want to just... Live happy families looking inward and singing Kumbaya. We want together to reach the world for Jesus. God bless you.